Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unfiltered Discussions. We have our rowdy group here today. We have Peter, Phil, Jenny, and Cody, along with myself. My name is Kelly. If you'd like to learn more about us, please hop over to our website at Unfiltered Discussions, and you can see our fabulous photos and our witty prose about our life and our um, history to this point. Um, but today, today we're going to jump into today's topic, which is feelings around venture capital. Now, we all come from different walks of life here um, on Unfiltered Discussions, so there will be many different viewpoints. Um, so dig right in, grab your favorite beverage, and we're off to the races. Who would like to get started today on this topic? Well, I'm going to filter it into Cody in just a minute, but I just want to tell you all a story. In 1993, I had lunch with the principals of VCA. Now, Cody was barely nursing. Jenny was pretty close to that. And, and Phil might have been in elementary school. Um, but I had lunch with them. They owned 18 hospitals in the country at that point in time. And I talked to them about what their direction was. I then had a meeting about a year later with 50 hospitals in South Orange County, California, to talk about issues of the veterinary profession in 1994. We're going to be celebrating 30 years of meetings next year. And one of the issues on the table was, what's the impact of corporations going to be? And everybody was in a panic because nobody knew what to expect. And now it's become a headline news. The AVMA's forum last week had talks, uh, a speaker from the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, talking about monopolies and other things. So VC, venture capital, PE, private equity, and whatever acronym you want to use is keeping some people up at night. And Cody, when we were doing our pre-talk talk, talked about the fact that he he had to take a cold shower this morning because he was burning hot about VC. And so I'm interested to see what Cody has to say about venture capital. I said I was mad in the shower. I didn't say I, have to, I was all hot and bothered and needed a cold shower. <laughs> um, I think we, you know, when Peter and I, we had uh, met uh, just a month ago and I kind of alluded to some of this conversation. So very briefly as to like why this is so heavy on my mind is uh, in 2020 is when I launched my FenVet brand and I had set a personal goal for myself or I was doing a, a, a personal goal setting. This was my next and final chapter within the veterinary space. And I know when I say that to a gray hair like Peter, he rolls his eyes and says, this kid's going to have three more careers in his future. But for me, what I wanted to truly set up was the last and final chapter of my veterinary career. The next 30 years, what was I going to do? One singular thing. And that's where FenVet came from, right? This me setting this mission to reimagine the veterinary care uh, experience, me um, setting these core strategies, me doing this thing that I was going to do for the next 30 years. And when I was goal setting for it, um, I wrote down one clinic and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I can pull off one clinic in the next 30 years. That seems pretty easy. So then I wrote down 10 clinics 
And I was like, mm, I'm pretty sure I could do that in the next in the next 30 years. That seems pretty easy. So I just did an order of magnitude and I picked 100 clinics. And for the rest of my career, I'm going to have this sort of like unattainable trajectory to building out these 100 clinics. And I was I was happy to do it, you know, just low and slow, right? For the rest of my life, just every time I could justify doing another clinic, I want to have another clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. I want to have a clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona and Palm Springs, California. Like this is this is what I want to do. So I created this really cool brand that, that I've tested out and works really well, right? FenVet has this great customer experience and we attract veterinarians and we have an amazing practice culture. And I think that a FenVet needs to exist anywhere uh, across the US or Canada. I know it's lofty goals, but like now that I'm three years in and two clinics, I'm starting to like chomp at the bit, right? I'm like, how can I actually do this faster? I think the world, I think the vet profession needs more FenVets. I truly do. It's just what I believe. We do an amazing job for our customers and our teams are actually happy. And it just is what it is. And I would love there to be a hundred of them. So then I'm trying to figure out, well, how do I functionally do this? And that was part of the conversation I had with Peter. It was like, you see all these VC backed things that exist within the veterinary space, okay? We got the bond vet and the pet folk and the modern animal and the small door. These are the ones, these, you know, bougie uh, venture capital backed uh, veterinary brands. So we started going down this road of like figuring out what they actually were. And now I'm just really mad because I was hopeful that they were something I knew they were. I knew what they were and I was hopeful that they weren't it. And the deeper I got into it, the more mad I am because they're just all the same and it's not going to end well for the veterinarians and the technologists that are in those practices. I was hopeful I was wrong three years ago when I started talking about this, but I've never been more convinced that the whole thing is just, it's a sham. It's disgusting. It's the worst. I hate it all. Are you talking about when you say that this upsets you. Are you talking about the fact that these larger entities is venture capital is that they're really only in it for the profit or are you, and you assumed that, that it was going to be more. I was hopeful that there was like some sort of founder out there that actually cared about the profession, but it's not true. They, they're the business is the business. They take investment in a couple different series. They raise a hundred to $300 million they spend all of that on signing bonuses and customer acquisition. You know, they're spending $80,000 a month on Google AdWords and Facebook ads. They spend all that money and then they exit in, you know, series B or C in, you know, five to seven years and nobody cares. The CEOs get replaced and they get owned by a big investment group and the whole thing is crap. I hate it. So as a, so I'm, this is why I was so excited to get on this um, podcast because we're unfiltered. And I will say that it pisses me off to no end that I look at how hard my husband and I have worked to do one practice and one practice well. That is what we set out to do. We said we were going to do things differently. We're mixed animal. We, you know, care about our team. We put our clients and our patients and our team first, you know, all these things. Meanwhile, all around us, clinics are getting bought up, bought up, bought up, bought up then those get bought out by another larger corporation. 
And we can't even take any new clients because I can't find a vet because the corporate down the street is offering $150,000 salary and $150,000 sign-on bonus. Then vets go there, work there for three years, hate it, leave the industry completely. So now we really don't have anybody. The clients are leaving in droves because we feel like just a number. I never see the same people because nobody ever stays. It's just on and on and on. We have um, one of my receptionists, her daughter is a CVT at a corporate that just got bought out two years ago. She really isn't a CVT. She's a glorified animal holder. They don't have the budget to be able to buy the, um, they, they have IDEX machines. They can't run all the tests because they can't purchase them because they're over budget. So they come and run them here and then pay us back. What I don't understand how this is a business model. I don't understand how people get into it. They, you know, all these invest, they invest tons of money to what run it into the ground. What good does that do anybody? It doesn't do them any good because they're not making profits. It doesn't do the clients any good. It, it oh, see, now you got me worked up. Now I need a cold shower. <laughs> I know Phil's jumping in, but I want to say, but it, it, I think it's the a terrible thing for the vet industry. But I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to me as an individual entrepreneurial veterinarian, because that's my competition. That, that's the reason why I've been able to take that first practice in two and a half years and grow it to 10,000 clients in two and a half years. That's the reason why I have a waiting list for my two practices of 28 veterinarians, a waiting list, no signing bonus, nothing. That is the, they like, now they're starting to wake up and they're looking for this actual, you know, business to work for that cares about them. So like on an individual level, it's the corporate consolidation VC is the best thing that's individually ever happened to me. I'm so grateful for it as an individual business owner, but as a veterinarian sharing the pain across the industry, it makes me need cold showers in the morning. But maybe people need pain to wake up, Cody, you know, like you're saying that this was really good for you because now there's a black and white option, you know, there's what you offer and then there's what, um, corporations that have funding behind them, I should just say, or hospital change that funding, regardless of how the funding got there. It's quite a black and white thing. Sometimes we need a mirror held up in our face to go, you know, I don't want that. And this is pretty damn good what I do have and to make a choice. And like you said, you're seeing that really clearly now. Phil, what are you seeing? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, what I, I, over the past number of years, you know, maybe the past five years, I've really, really studied human medicine, <clears throat> you know, in the, in the process that they've gone through over the past 15 years and seeing, seeing how that is, uh, you know, very correlated to some of the things that we see in veterinary medicine. And Cody, I'm almost sure that there was an article that I read on LinkedIn that I liked, and I'm almost certain it was you that had commented on it. And this is an area that I think is really important is that we, with the, with the consolidation and with the buyout, that we lost a huge number of entrepreneurial um, value-based veterinarians who believed in what they were doing and did, did put people over profit. And that then got bought out and pulled out of those leadership positions. And what was that you that do you remember? 
yeah absolutely that. this is this is around my general concept and soapbox of we don't have a veterinarian shortage full stop mm-hmm. we have a leadership shortage the top 10 most amazing veterinarian leaders that i can think of aren't in practice aren't leading veterinary teams they got bought out most of them didn't even want well most of them couldn't compete with the capital that was coming in yeah. and got bought out because they had partners and their partners wanted to sell right yeah like it just it gets it goes on and on and like i look at literally the greatest veterinary leaders of you know of, of let's say peter's generation of yesteryear um no longer in any sort of position of leadership and that's like that that's shocking right like it, because if they were we wouldn't have half of the issues that we were going on with 100 percent. and so what i would say is in the area of you know where, where i work in is that what we know is that our leaders our managers have more of an impact on our mental health and our well-being and our job satisfaction than our doctors or our therapists they're equivocal to our domestic partners, to our wives, to our husbands, to those people in our house. That's the impact that leaders can have. Not even, I mean, that's just well-being, not even talking about a level of mentorship. And, you know, and Cody, in the other episode, we were talking about, um, you know, the loss that we had, um, you know, with Sean in the hospital there. And one of the things that happened is I, I ended up reconnecting with one of my mentors from that hospital that I worked for. And I just remember like how the gratitude that I had and how this brilliant man who built this, you know, wildly successful practice, how he was able to talk to me as a newer grad veterinarian and walk me through things that made me not feel less than and made me feel like a colleague and made me feel like that I mattered and that I was important to him. And those are the skills. Those are those vital skills that we just, you know, we, we really need in, in veterinary leaders to create that sustainability. And so, I mean, I've seen a lot around leadership development and that kind of thing, but I just remember reading that article and it just, it was like, yes, like some, that we have a vested and I'm not, I'm not also insinuating that people that work in corporate don't, I mean, we're all, they're all colleagues of ours, but that it was just really amazing to me and, and very insightful when I saw that, hey, we did lose or what happened to this chunk of, uh, you know, of motivated leaders that, that really had a heart for the profession and, and where are they now? And potentially how is there a way for us to tap into that? I, and I don't, I don't know that I have the answer to that, but it was, uh, it was just something that, that I was thinking about that when I, I saw that we were, we were talking together. That, that ties into the, the part about the VC and the conversation with, with Peter, because I was like smashing my head against the wall to Peter saying like, how am I going to do this? I don't want to sell. I don't want to, like, I would love to have $50 million to build out 50 fans right now. I can activate them. I This is what I want to do, but I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to then, you know, sell it to the next uh, group, the next investment group, the vet, next investment group, and then just end up as a subsidiary of NVA, you know, to be some sort of number in, you know, in, in EQT or, or JB Holdings, like it just wasn't what I was going to do. And Peter just looked at me, he's like, why don't, there's a, there's a lot of rich board veterinarians out there that sold their practices and have nothing to do. Why don't you ask them for the money? <laughs> I did. That's exactly what I said. 
I think there's, it, there's a lot of rich, bored, retired veterinarians that should still be in the practice, but they're not. Right. And it's fine. It, it's business. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, I also worry about like that. I don't know if you've seen my thesis around the orphan generation of veterinarians, right? So now this is the next thing that we're seeing is we don't have nearly as many entrepreneurial veterinarians in the profession because that generation wasn't talking into their ear about the benefits of practice ownership because they knew they were just going to sell to the corporate consolidator anyways. So now I feel like we this new generation of veterinarians wants nothing to do mm-hmm. with, with practice ownership. Now, they all come my way. So I see that it's not none right like i i get them all in my dms all sending me emails the ones that are entrepreneurial but i feel like it's a fraction of what it would have been a decade ago of vets coming out going into practice having a practice owner talk in their ear about how amazing it is to be a practice owner and then being mentored into executing on that partnership um i'm not seeing very as much as that anymore as when I graduated. Well, I think that I was just going to say that when my husband graduated 20 years ago, the whole idea was you got out of school, you owned your own practice. Like that was, that was the goal. And I think that's a generation of Gen Xers that, you know, it's the most entrepreneurial generation, you know, in a long time that it's just like, let's start a business, let's start a business. And now we have these younger generations that are like, no, I just want to come to work and then, you know, do my job and, and, and be the cog in the wheel. And then, you know, and they don't have that fire and that, and we need to light that fire and get people to realize that, you know, you want your problem with student loan to go away. Well, guess what? If you own your own practice, you're going to make more money. You can pay off your student loans. Like instead of saying, oh yeah, you have a lot of student loans. Well, you're just going to be in debt for the rest of your life. Like we have to change the way that we look at it and encourage entrepreneurial that entrepreneurial spirit that is missing. I wish we had more time to talk about this because I will talk about the fact the students are about a third of them do want to own hospitals. And those are the ones who worked for independent practices and had a chance to work in positive cultures. Those who want to work in, who've worked for corporations don't want to own because they have seen the toxic cultures in many situations, not all. And, and I don't want to broad brush the venture capitals because there are a handful that do have their heart in the right place and it's not in, on their wallet. So I, I think, though, I, I was at a dinner with a lot of the C-level and VP-level people um, for one of the corporations, and they said, what do you think is the biggest problem in the veterinary profession right now? And I said, a lack of leadership at all levels starting at the associations, the vet schools, um, the state boards. We are a bunch of followers and we're a bunch of lemmings right now. And I think somebody needs to take, there's a metaphor and I think I used it in, in one of my books or at least in an article, that the veterinary profession is a group of elephants and we grab the tail of the elephant that's in front of us and we just follow the next elephant. The problem is the head elephant has grabbed the tail of the elephant at the end, and we're just walking in a circle looking at elephant asses. We need to somehow develop some leadership, young leaders. We need to get into the students, but we need to go younger than that. We need to start at the elementary school level, the high school level, when Barbie veterinarian is thinking about becoming the veterinarian. This is part of the huge change that's going to be necessary because I do think that there's going to be a renaissance 
of independent practice owners like Cody, and but we need to clone the Cody's of the world and the others who are out there being advocates. We need to get people to drink that Kool-Aid because I do think we can control our own destiny as veterinarians. And what we need to do is learn from the mistakes of those in the past, both independent and corporate, and make sure that we set a better direction for the future. And I don't think we have the leadership that's doing that right now. Well, Peter, maybe that's a great topic for a future unfiltered discussion is what is leadership? How do we find it? Where do we go from here? But today we're at the end. We'll leave it with you, Peter, as uh, ending closing thoughts to think about. And we appreciate every single listener out there today. And we wish you well on your journey until next time. Thank you, everyone.